In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dr. David Peter, he was a professor of mine at Concordia Seminary, St. Louis, knows a thing or two about leprosy. You see, he traveled to India one year, and while there, observed ghastly human conditions. He saw a group of lepers begging for money and hoping, just hoping for any sort of shred of decent human kindness, mercy, or attention. The only way that he could come to describe it, to describe it in its full horror, was that they looked like the walking dead. As he went by, he saw hands without fingers, legs without feet, faces without lips or noses or even eyes. Unearthly gurgling came from mouths without palates. And that's just the physical. Imagine the mental, emotional, social strains of being a complete outcast in society. That paves the way for us to understand a little bit better the gospel lesson for today. In today's text, Jesus was passing between Samaria and Galilee. He was up in the northeast heading down to Jerusalem and was met by ten lepers. Now, we don't know their condition. We don't know how bad things had gotten for them. But we do know that leprosy in any form is really no picnic. The skin would, at the beginning stages, lose its original color. It would become glossy and then scaly. As the disease would progress, you'd get sores and ulcers that would ooze all over your body. And as we said, if it went far enough, you could even lose body parts. And even though that leprosy was not contagious... The law of Moses required lepers to live in isolation apart from the community, always keeping themselves at a distance because they were regarded as unclean due to the body parts that were uh, and parts that were in necrosis, things that were decaying, things that were dying. Once you know that, you can only imagine the isolation, the desperation, the hopelessness and the helplessness. As the lepers come to Jesus, they stand at a distance, as they should, according to the Levitical law, and lift up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And in response, we might expect the Lord to say something dramatic, like, be healed or be cleansed. But he doesn't. Instead, he instructs them to follow proper protocol according to the Levitical law. Go to the priest, show themselves to the priest. Why? Because the priest would examine that person, that leper, and declare them clean or unclean. And if they're declared clean, then they're welcomed back into the community. But a curious thing happens. Luke tells us, as they went, they were cleansed. Think about this. Think about the joy. (laughs) This life-saving moment. Those physical maladies would be a thing of the past. Their isolation would end. They could return to their towns, 
to their families, to their marketplaces, to their workplace, to the community. What an astounding gift. These lepers would once again have a life all thanks to Jesus. They had asked for a miracle and they had received in abundance. No wonder that after they've been healed, all of the lepers come back and when they realize Jesus had healed them, they turn back and praise God with a loud voice. Right? No. You're like, wait, that's not how it goes. That's how it should go. That didn't happen. Only one, a Samaritan, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. Now, I know it's easy to frame this whole thing as an example of shallow thankfulness. But in reality, the malady is much, much, much deeper. This is simply a case of idolatry. You know what idolatry is when we love, trust, or fear in something above God. When the gifts that the giver gives to us become more important than the giver himself. When the gifts that the giver gives become more desired than the giver himself. Idolatry. Now we have to say that what Jesus gave these lepers was no small matter. It was incredible. Full physical restoration. Think about that. With all the aches and pains and itches and deformities. Gone. Gone. And completely healed. Thank God for that. Thank God for good health. But God wanted to give them more than just years in this life. He wants to give you more than just years in this life. Why? Psalm 90 tells us. The years of life are 70, or by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Poof. We don't have long. God wants to give us more. What God gave these lepers is no small matter. The gift of community, right? Human interaction. You help people, people help you. You have a family. You have support. You have people around you. And Jesus ended the isolation these lepers faced, the scrutiny, the mockery, even the horror of being something unclean, unapproachable. But God wants to give us more than that. Community, human relationships are great. They're necessary. They're a great gift. But they don't last forever, do they? People lose touch. They move away. They have a falling out. And in the last few months, I've run into two separate cases where people have expressed their desire not to have a funeral. You want to know why? Here's what they say. All of my siblings are dead. All my friends are gone. None of the people that I work with are left. Nobody's going to come to the funeral anyway. 
So while the lepers are out celebrating their welcoming back into the community and their restored health, they're missing out on something so much better. And that is God himself. That's what God wants to give you himself. From him, you have your life and your being, all of it. As we confess in Luther's explanation of the Apostles' Creed, God made you in all creatures. He gave you your body and your soul, eyes, ears, and all your members, your reason and all your senses, and still takes care of them. He has given you clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, Spouse and children, land animals and all that you have. He daily and richly provides all that you need to support this body and life. He's defended you against all danger and guarded and protected you from all evil. Life and the things of this life are from him. The things of salvation are from him also. Through Jesus Christ, God has redeemed you. That means bought you back from sin, death and the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and innocent sufferings and death, that you may be his own. That's the whole purpose, that you may be his own and live under him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. And if that weren't enough, he also grants you faith. Through the Holy Spirit, God has called you by the gospel. Enlighten you with his gift, sanctified and kept you in the one true faith, just as he calls, gathers, enlightens and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Christ Jesus in the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all your sins and the sin of all believers. Oh, and let's not forget, there's more. Because Christ is risen from the dead, because he rules and reigns to all eternity, because he has taken your sin and death upon himself and destroyed their power, along with the power of the devil, God will raise you in glory on the last day to everlasting life. And so, yes, you have life and community, but we find solace in the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. That's quite the list. Do you get the idea of what's happening here? God isn't just part of your life. God is your life. Without him, without his astounding mercy, his amazing grace, his steadfast faithfulness, his covenant promises, without the forgiveness of sins, without all of that, we have no life at all. Or not any life to speak of. So why then do we still have a problem with gratitude to God and for God? Why do we still have such a problem with idolatry? And our sin then separates us from him. I don't know if you notice something, but I always find it fascinating. In the text, the lepers dare not approach Jesus out of observation of the Mosaic Levitical law. But when you think about it, they should not even be able to approach Jesus after they're cleansed. They are still sinners. So something interesting happens. The Samaritan comes back. The 
The others stay away from Jesus of their own making. But when the Samaritan leper returns, he places himself at Christ's feet to worship, to praise, to thank. And the leper draws near, think about this, to the divine son of God, to God in the flesh. And what has Christ done for him? Christ has removed all of his maladies. All of them. Physical, relational, spiritual. And God's love and spirit has brought the leper back to, as we prayed for earlier, acknowledge his goodness, recognize all of his benefits. And our Lord therefore rightly declares, your faith has made you well. We're a lot like lepers too, you know. We are unclean. We are by nature sinful and unclean. We sin against God in thought, word, and deed by what we do, what we left undone. We cannot approach a holy God. Physical and spiritual death await us and there is nothing that we can do about it. Talk about the walking dead. That's you, that's me. But what happens? We can't do anything about it. So Jesus does. Jesus does something about it. He takes all of your sin, all of your infirmities, all your uncleanliness and makes it his own. He takes your physical death, your spiritual death, your separation from God and makes it his own. And then he gives you what truly belongs to him and to him alone. His perfect life, his atoning death, his glorious resurrection, his rule and reign over sin, death and the power of the devil. And you reign with him. Just like the lepers, we should be astounded. We should be overwhelmed at God's compassion for us in Christ. Just like the lepers, we should want to draw near to the one who has rescued us out of the depths of such anguish, who has relieved our suffering. Just like the lepers, we should realize that if we possess Christ, we possess what truly matters. In Christ, we possess everything. It's so easy to lapse into idolatry, to take it for granted, to leave Jesus out of the picture and busy ourselves with the stuff of life. What wretched people we are. Who will deliver us from this body of death? Who? Only God. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord, because just like the lepers, by his power, you are cleansed by his power. You recognize through the power of the Holy Spirit that he has healed you by his power. You, too, can praise God with a loud voice and place yourself at the feet of Jesus. And that's where we need to be. Coming to Jesus time and again, returning so God can deal with the depths of our depravity and our idolatry. Come to Jesus so we can receive his gifts. 
You see, thankfulness doesn't come by our trying harder or digging deeper. It comes as God renews our hearts and our minds by his word and spirit. It comes through word and sacrament. So through these means and by the spirit's guiding, we fall at Jesus' feet. We give thanks through him. Through the Holy Spirit's power, we don't just celebrate one day or recognize one day as a day of thanksgiving. Every day is a day of thanksgiving. Because we know that God is gracious to us and keeps on giving. He will never stop. Everything comes from him. And wouldn't you know it? Our God even rewards his own gifts because the gift of faith is from him. When he says to us, your faith has made you well, our response is, thank you. Thank you, good Lord, for everything. Amen. Now may the peace which surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.